0: Hello and welcome into today's show. I am your host, Ira Bowman. This is the Badger Kingdom podcast. Today is Friday, October 13th. I can't believe it's the 13th of October already. It's crazy. This is episode seven. It's still crazy to me that that is, I'm already recording my seventh episode. We're going to go ahead, as usual, go volleyball. Men's and women's soccer, all the way through men, women's first, and then all the way through men's, and then football at the end, with some news about last week's game and some news about this week's game and Air Force Academy prep. Or I guess it's Air Force Preparatory Academy. So last Saturday, College of Southern Nevada came to Ephraim along with their soccer teams and played our Badgers here on campus. Statistically speaking, when I was previewing this game last Friday, I was looking at these the, the matchups just solely through the eyes of statistics, and I thought it was going to be a five-set game because the differentials on multiple different categories, like kills per set, total um, points per set, like it was 13.1% for the coyotes and 13.9 for our badgers like everything a lot of the super important um like per game statistics were very close to each other between the coyotes and our badgers and that did not play out in any way the way i thought it would first set did our badgers won that 25 to 20 but the next two sets were not a reflection of those statistics in any way. Our Badgers won the last two sets 25-11 to 11 and 25-13, to 13. getting the 3 sets sweep. Great to see that. Great to see that. Liv Marshall had 12 kills to lead the team. Maggie Larson had four aces. Mariah Smolin had two blocks. Kenley Curbs, per usual, had 16 assists. And then Holly Grace had 12 digs. Great to see that team effort in that game. There were some players that were able to come in and play that don't play a whole lot of minutes in bigger games, so, you know, more bench minutes. Great to see that. Great, solid win for our Badgers over another conference opponent for our their second conference win. Great to see that. Next game was against Salt Lake Community College. Then Salt Lake Community College comes to town Yesterday, the Bruins of Salt Lake came to Ephraim, ranked third in the nation, and they sit first in conference standings. Our Lady Badgers currently sit fourth. I don't know if that changed after last night, but they currently sit fourth. The game was fun, and it was competitive. That's for sure. I wasn't expecting it to be as close as it was, but in the end, the Bruins walked away, winning the game four sets to one. Now you look at that and you're like, okay, they won one set. Not super competitive, but it's better than getting swept 3-0. And that's if you weren't there. But if you were there, you'd know that it was not just a four set to one win our Badgers played their hearts out last night at the Horn Activity Center. And it was a very fun game to watch, regardless of the loss. So that's always good for our fans to be able to go and watch an exciting game. But I'm going to go over the scores to those sets. Snow College won the first one, 25 to 22. So that's a competitive score. I was a little bit surprised that none of these scores went past 25 just because of how close they were. But to move on to the next sets, the Bruins took that one 25-14, and they took the next two 25-21, and then 25-23. Very tough. Very tough loss. That is the fifth time this season where our Lady Badgers have won the first set in either a blowout set or a competitive set, and then drop the next three. I wish I could tell you why that is. I'm not sure. But it's just something I noticed when I was going back through their schedule and looking at them. I'm like, well, okay, well, they keep doing this and this. Like, there is a little bit of a pattern. Most of those 4-1 to losses that our Badgers had after winning the first set came against ranked opponents. I think only one of them didn't or at least the opponents were ranked when the game was played, whether they're still ranked or not. But it was a very fun game to watch. The last two sets were very competitive. The whole set, whether it was set 1, 3, or 4, you really didn't know who was going to come out on top until that 25th point was scored. And there was a couple times in that 3rd and 4th set where I was really thinking it might go to twenty-six or even twenty-eight. Because our Badgers have pushed some sets to that high of a score. Going into the player statistics, Maggie Larson had 10 kills, Maya Gibb had 7, and Liv Marshall had 5. I was surprised when I saw that Liv Marshall only had 5 kills. She normally has been at the top of leading the team in kills per game. So I was a little bit surprised that it was five, but the reason why was because when I was at the Horn Activity Center last night watching this game, it seemed like every other play she was getting a kill or leading, getting a a bump or saving a ball that led to a Badger score. She was all over the place yesterday at the net, running out of bounds and then dropping the hammer. Because when she spikes that ball, man, it sounds like a gunshot went off in that gym. It's loud. The ball hits the ground and it just bounces straight up, almost hitting the ceiling every time. Especially when it goes off of one of our opponent's arms trying to block it. Just rifles it. And I love that the announcer in the arena, every time that she gets a dig, he says, Live the Hammer Marshall. It's a great nickname because when she spikes that ball, it's like dropping a hammer. But to move on to aces, Corinne Taysom had four, and then right there behind her, like I said, making plays all over the place, was Liv Marshall. They both had four aces. A lot of those were key in that first set win, and to keep the other sets close, except for set number two, but... The blocks in this game wasn't as high as past games. Haley Wynn led the team with two. But it's still nice to see the team's blocks being spread out. Corinne Taysom, her usual, leading our Lady Badgers in assists. Part of that's just the position she plays as a setter and and the hustle that she has to go after those balls. A Kinley Curbs was right behind her with 12, so that's pretty high too. And then at the bottom, Kinley Curbs showing up again in the leaderboard with 14 digs. And then Grace Holly was right behind her with 8. After watching that first set, you're really thinking, okay, we can come away with the win over the number 3 team in the nation and get our first major conference win. We've had two conference wins, but neither of them were against good, very good teams like Bruins are. I'm sitting there with my roommates. We're watching the game, and I'm thinking it's going to be close, but I think we could pull it off if they don't continue the tendency of dropping the next three sets, which they ultimately did, even though they were close, which they all were in all five of the losses where they won the first set and dropped the next three. They were all close. The only set in this game wasn't was set to twenty-five to fourteen, but it was a lot of lot of fun to watch. Snow College has an eighteen and five record, so they're very good. They're six and zero in conference play, haven't lost yet. That's why they sit number one in the conference handings. The only team that came close. To beating the Bruins was College of Southern Idaho. That game went five sets. And I bring this up because our Lady Badgers' next volleyball game, which is very much unfortunately the last home game of the season. Can you guys believe that? I can't believe that we're already that far into the semester where volleyball is getting close to ending and soccer's already played their last home game I mean, they only have four more away games. I think they had six more away games, and then they played, well, I guess five more, because they play tomorrow, but they played last night, so I guess they only have five more away games. But it's the same with our Lady Badgers volleyball team, where they play, they have four more games, and only one of them is at home, and it's tomorrow. So that's disappointing, but that just means we're inching closer to basketball and wrestling season. And we'll get to that when that comes up. But tomorrow, College of Southern Idaho comes to town. The, once again, Our Lady Badgers are playing a top 10 team nationally. This College of Southern Idaho is at the very end of that at 10. They come in 20... 20 wins and 6 losses. 5 conference wins, 1 conference loss. Do you know who that conference loss came to? I just said it. Salt Community College, Bruins. Those teams are obviously the top teams in the conference. Our Badgers won't be able to catch them in the conference standings, unfortunately, but that doesn't mean that we can't give either of them a loss. I mean, well, we don't play the Bruins again, but we can still give college of Southern idaho their second conference loss which is what i hope to see tomorrow at the horn activity center in the main gym where our lady badgers can get a dub the last time our badgers played idaho it was in twin falls idaho and it was kind of a funky i mean it wasn't really a funky game but it a consistent game. It's not. I I say funky because it's not often I see a box score in volleyball where the sets scores are the exact same, all three sets, twenty five to eighteen. That's kind of funny. But it's going to be a very very tough, far hard fought game, like last night's was. I mean, last night there was times where it was like we can really come away. And push this to five sets there in that fourth. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. But I think that Our Lady Badgers will be able to push Idaho to that fifth set. Especially if they played as well as they did in that first set yesterday. I mean, they were flying, getting balls out of bounds. I mean, they were doing that all game. But they were flying around, communicating, playing great defense. And spiking the ball really hard. It was was fun to watch. Back to this game against Idaho tomorrow. Game starts at 6. No, excuse me. Game starts at 1. It is a Saturday. Saturday games always start in the afternoon. That part always gets me. I'm so used to games on Saturdays being late. But then you have, they're late. You have that conflict with football. So, 1 p.m., Tomorrow at the Horn Activity Center, College of Southern Idaho. It's coming to Ephraim to take on our Lady Badgers volleyball team. And statistically... Idaho is a much better team than our Badgers. But as we just learned with the College of Southern Nevada game last weekend, statistics don't mean everything. But they are a good indicator. College of Southern Idaho comes in with 1,140 kills on the year, and our Badgers have 877. So there's a big gap there. The kills per set, it's a little bit different. Our Badgers have 10 kills per set, Idaho has 13 so closer but still not great and then i think the other two most important per set stats that i like to look at are digs per set and blocks per set so looking at our lady badgers digs per set it's 13 even that's pretty good idaho is 15.9 so basically 16 3.0 or 3 dig difference not crazy but those three digs can be the point. Could be the difference between a 25-22 set victory and a 25-25 going to 27 set. And then last, blocks per set. Our Lady Badgers only average 1.8, so almost 2. And Idaho average is 2.3%, which is close but we'll see how those numbers play out tomorrow afternoon. Going to be a fun game. It's uh, definitely something going to be a little bit different than the last game. I feel like Our Lady Badgers got a lot of confidence in the way that they played Salt Lake Community College last night, and I think that that will transfer over if they can keep their head-ups after coming out with the loss. But the key is they have to keep their heads up. And if they can keep their heads up throughout all all of the sets tomorrow afternoon, like they did last night, I mean, after every set, they kept their head up, so they're like, they're all talking to each other, we can, get, we can do this. They're not that good. We can keep up. And our Lady Badgers did keep up. They just weren't able to pull it through. But I think that if they can, that can carry over to tomorrow's game. I think it will carry over, but I could be completely wrong, and Idaho could come in here and blow us out three sets to zero. I don't think that'll happen. I'm willing to bet it goes five sets. Might only be four to one, and our Lady Badgers could, I mean, take a 3-0 set victory. Not very likely, but it's still possible. I mean, anything is possible in the world of sports, right? fun game tomorrow it was a fun game last night I'm sad that it's the last volleyball home game and the sad part is I won't be able to make it I have other engagements to attend to but we're getting closer to basketball season so that's okay it's just sad we're coming to an end of a very fun season for our Lady Badgers What also was fun was yesterday's soccer games. I'll get to those after I cover last Saturday's soccer games that took place at home. Those were also the last home games of the year for our soccer teams, which is very sad. I've had a lot of fun going out to those games. The crowds have been great. It's been a great atmosphere out on those fields, having a lot of fun watching those games. So it's sad. The last Saturday was the last home game of the year. But there's still games to play on the road. Last Saturday, College of Southern Nevada, not Idaho, didn't only come to town for volleyball, they came to town for men's and women's soccer as well. Looking at those games... Our Lady Badgers took home the victory against the Coyotes, 5-0. to zero. Three goals in the first period, two goals in the second period. Madeline McQueen, the SWAT Conference Player of the Week a couple of weeks ago, came out with four assists, which is crazy for one game. I mean, that's all but one of those goals she assisted on. Great number for her. Two of those goals came by way of Emily Morrill and Brittany Wayman at the 14-15 mark by Morrill. That was her third goal of the year. That started off the game, and the last goal of the game was scored by Brittany Wayman at the 72-minute mark. Well, 72-02, and that was her second goal. Looking at the shot differential in this game, the Coyotes only came up with five total shots and one shot on goal. So great defense from our Badgers. The ball was on our side of the field basically the whole game. And those are always fun games to watch. Our goalies didn't have to do much. They only had the one save for the one shot on goal. So they're out there communicating and leading and watching our team down on the other side of the field score goals, which is always fun to see. But Madeline McQueen wasn't the only one that had a great game on Saturday. Do you remember last week how I was talking about the fact that Sage Mary Hugh wasn't playing on Thursday in Salt Lake, and they really missed her in that tough loss. The final score to that game in Salt Lake was 0-2. Well, Mary Hugh came back on Saturday with a fire. She was named the SWAC Conference Player of the Week, second Badger, Lady Badger soccer player to being named that title this year. Mary Hugh, give a little background, she's a number 21, a freshman middle fielder from Eagle Mountain, Utah, and Cedar Valley Heights High School. It was tough that she didn't play in that college, Salt Lake Community College game, but as I said, she came out with the fire on Saturday. She had a hat trick, three goals, two in the first period, one in the second period to improve her's total goals on the year up to eight. She also came away with one assist and moved that up to four assists on the year. Scored three goals and assisted on one. Very impressive game. I mean, that right there is the reason why she was named Conference Player of the Week. It's not very often you see just one player score three goals, and then get one assist. So that's four total goals out of the five that she helped either scored or assisted on. Just like Madeline McQueen, even though she didn't score, she still assisted on those other four goals. Three of those, obviously, to Mary Hugh. Mary Hugh did get the scoring started before Morrill's goal, so I need to correct myself. Morrill didn't get the first goal. Mary Hugh did, and it was five minutes in. Great to see that. And, continuing her great performance on Saturday against the Coyotes, Our Lady Badgers traveled up to Pacific Northwest Christian College. I will get to the boys' game, the boys' versus Coyotes game that happened last Saturday after I finished with the women's soccer. Moving to the Pacific Northwest Christian game in Washington. If you think 5-0 is a solid win, our Lady Badgers came away with a 10-0 victory against the Spartans in Washington. The shot chart tells me 20 goals, or not goals, excuse me, 20 shots per half is what our Lady Badgers had. And on the website, I'm not sure who was doing the um, updating these stats and things, but it was 20 shots in in the first period, 20 shots in the second period, somehow equals 100 total shots. So I had to cross that out. So 40 total shots for our Lady Badgers, if the 20 and 20 is accurate, which I assume it is. Our Lady Badgers also came away with 29 of those 40 shots attempts being on goal. Great numbers. Those are great numbers. And there was only one save. I'm not sure how the box score can say that Pacific Northwest can have zero shots taken and our Snow College goalie can have one save. I'm not the biggest soccer person, but I'm not sure how that works. Like, I was even talking to my roommate who's from Ecuador and an avid soccer fan, asking him how could that happen, and he really just goes, well, I'm not sure. The only thing that he could think of when I was talking to him yesterday afternoon was maybe a ball had got kicked by one of our own Lady Badgers towards our goal, and our goalie had to save that ball. But if it's kicked by one of our players accidentally, would it really count as a save for our goalie? Because I would assume, not being the biggest soccer fan, that it would only be a save if it was a shot taken by the opposing team and then blocked by our goalie. I asked him that, and he was like, "Well, I'm not really sure how they record those. If it's different than it is here in America than it is in other places, I'd assume that stat keeping is generally the same everywhere. But who knows?" Stat says that our goalie got a go a save, so she got a save. Their next game will be at Truckee Meadows Community College on the north side of Reno so our Badgers are going from Washington to Reno before they come back home for the weekend. Truckee came here a few weeks ago to play our Lady Badgers. Our Badgers ended up coming with an 8-1 to victory in that one here at home. The Truckee Meadows Community College Lizards come in or at least our Lady Badgers go to Truckee to play a team that is nine five and one overall and four five and one in conference play. It's good to see our Badgers get that win eight to one at home. We'll see what our Badgers can do on the road. Is has Truckee improved since when was that game? September 14th, so a month ago? The Lizards improved a month. In that month, I know our Badgers have improved. In that month, so can our At ranked net na- nationally-ranked, Lady Badgers get a win on the road against the Lizards? I believe they can. It'll probably be a five-to-one, five-to-two game. Would be my guess, considering that our Badgers are on the road and it's a long trip but I'm willing to bet that our Lady Badgers improved their record to 7-3-1 and one, and 6-2-1 and one in conference play. Hopefully they'll bump up in the rankings one spot and finally move away from the 18. They've been bouncing up and down between 18 and 19 the last, like, three weeks. So hopefully they'll move up. Our Lady Badgers currently sit third in the conference standings. Hopefully that will move up as well. But USUE and Salt Lake Community College are both very good teams. And those are the two teams ahead of Our Lady Badgers in the soccer field. So we're going to move on to the men's side. Also, I want to know what happened in Washington for Our Lady Badgers to score 10 goals. And then the insane number, that, the insane result that happened for our men's game last night or yesterday afternoon, I'll get to that after I cover last Saturday's game against the Coyotes, now the last time our Badgers played the Coyotes it was the second conference game of the year, they went to Las Vegas or Henderson, Nevada and came away with a loss, I thought that um, the fact that the Coyotes scored two goals, I believe, in that second period to win the game. Or I think it might have been all three goals in that game. Yeah. I believe the bad the Coyotes scored all three of their goals in the second period to win that game. And I thought that maybe the extreme heat that happens there in Vegas got to our Badgers after having a 1-0 lead in the first period. But I'm not sure that that's what it was, because looking at this game and watching it in person, the Coyotes just flat-out outplayed our Badgers, sadly, even here at home at the Badger Soccer Complex. Going into the stat sheet, looking at the box score, the Coyotes split their goals two apiece each period for a 4-1 to victory score at the end of the first period was four to one. So that was tough. I mean, not scoring any goals in the second period is always tough. Having it come away, being one away from tying it at the end of the first period to, excuse me, losing by three goals is tough. And the shot differential wasn't all that bad. I mean, it was only one off. The Coyotes had one less total shot and one less shot or three less shots on goal. The Coyotes had four shots on goal and four goals, so that's pretty impressive. Our Badgers had 14 shots and seven shots on goal, which is good numbers for one game. That's, that's solid numbers for our Badgers. They just need to be able to put those shots that are on goal in the goal. And because the Coyotes had four shots on goal that went for, that accounted for the four goals, there was no saves by our goalie in that game, which was very tough. To come away with. Coyotes, on the other hand, their goalie came away with six total. It's five in the second period, which means our badgers were playing a little bit more aggressive and getting to the getting shots on the goal in that second period. Which is good to see because you want to see that improvement and that aggressiveness when you're falling behind. So tough loss to the coyotes. But man. What the heck? happened in Washington yesterday afternoon. I mean, the final score for the men's game against Pacific Northwest Christian College, I thought that whoever put it in the um, NJCAA website and on the Badger uh, website, Go, you can go to snowbadgers.com and find all of your stats, scores, and information for Badger athletics there. I went there. Final score coming out. Twenty-one to zero. Zero. Twenty-one total goals. That's two goals less than what our badgers had scored off year. Insane. Insane. Now, Pacific Northwest is 0-9 after last night, so, I mean, they are, aren't a good team. But even when you're playing a bad team, you don't expect to score 21 goals. I mean, that is otherworldly. I I honestly didn't think it was true because uh, my roommate that I mentioned while talking about the women's games, he's asking me what the scores were, and so I'm, I'm going to check them. And they weren't there, and then I checked 20 minutes later, and they're there. And I'm like, dude, you're not going to believe this. And I showed him, and he goes, there's no way that's true. And I was like, well, I mean, it's on here. That's what it says. And I was like, it, it is true. Me and him weren't generally just shocked. Just shocked. I I mean, are our badgers drinking Michael's secret stuff you know from Space Jam when he gives his secret stuff to the the Looney Tunes characters is that what's going on is it because that's insane it's absolutely insane and I have no idea like I I wish I could go back and watch a replay of all of these goals because I'm just scrolling through it and I mean it's just like takes up almost a whole three pages and I printed out the score chart insane But after that game, Pacific Northwest Christian has allowed 78 goals on the year, so that's not good. So coming into this game, Pacific Northwest had allowed 57 total goals in 8 games. So, But then having that jump to 78 goals allowed in 9 games is insane. 21 goals, man. Can't imagine the amount of confidence that's putting in our Badgers right now. And they need that going to reno which i will get to in a minute but first i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna read through when the goals were scored just so you can kind of get an idea of how the flow of the game was and how fast our badgers were scoring and then after i'll name who scored those goals and how many each player had because i mean we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different players score. That's absurd. But I'm gonna go ahead and get into the scoring chart right here. So starting off the scoring, it went. And I'm not gonna like name the seconds because whoever put in the,, uh, these numbers didn't add how many seconds into the minute it was. So, starting it off in the 8th minute, and then another one in 8 minutes, 9 minutes, 11 minutes, 27 minutes in, and then at 37, 38, 42, 47, 48, 49, then 50, 55. And then in the second period, well, I guess 50 and 55 are in the second period, as I want with 48, 49, 47. But later in the second period... 65, 72, 77, at the 78th minute, then in the 83rd, 84th, 87th, and in the 89th minute. That is insane. It didn't go more than like seven minutes without a goal or five minutes without a goal if I'm doing my math right. Just absolutely insane. I was looking at that list. Oh my word. How? Where are, where, like, did... Pacific Northwest Christian roll out the local middle school? Or are they just that bad? And I hate to be, because that sounds really harsh, but man, our Badgers must have just been in the zone on that soccer pitch yesterday afternoon. Who knows? Who knows? So, if you're wondering who scored those goals, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right here going from the lowest number of goals scored to the highest number of goals scored. Anderson Brown, Victor Flores, Arthur Markey, uh, Kaleo Woods, and Harrison Taylor all had one goal apiece. Next was Luis Pantejo had two goals, and then Hiro Ocada had four goals. Richard Henry and Tomas Parat had five goals each. So he had three players combined for 14 goals. Raising numbers there. Just raising numbers. I'm not much of a soccer fan, but I want to be able to go back, find the film, and watch that game just to see how the flow was. Because unfortunately, I can't watch these games live, which is a sad thing. But looking at that insane blowout that our Badgers had against the Spartans, I believe their mascot is the Spartans. That's going to give our Badgers plenty of confidence. Hopefully not too much because, you know, in sports, you can ride that confidence high and you're feeling good and you can just get a little bit too high and too overconfident and you can crash and burn pretty easily. So hopefully the coaches of those men's soccer game keep them level-headed, but yet still confident going in to Reno to take on the Truckee Meadow Lizards. When the Lizards came to Ephraim, it was an exciting what. Very rough. It almost felt like I was watching a football game. Very physical. Very aggressive soccer game. And the Lidders walked away with a 1-0 victory. And they scored their goal in the last 10 minutes of the game, I believe. Or it was early in the second half. But either way, that loss has been stinging in those players. And it's probably the toughest loss of the year because of how... Just aggressive and how like close of a game it was. So our batters will go to there, riding this confidence from their blowout of Pacific Northwestern. That game. Well, since that win here in Ephraim for the Lizards, they are now. 9, 4, and 3 overall, and 5, 3, and 2 in conference play. Our Badgers' current record, as it is, is 5, 5, and 1, and 3, 5, and 1 in conference play. They sit at 5th in the conference standings, and they're unranked nationally, as you would assume with a 500 record. Man. I'm excited to see how much confidence our Badgers can uh, keep and bring into Reno to play the Lizards because, man, I can't believe... Like, I'm not a soccer guy. I've probably said that a couple times already today, but there's no way that that happens, like, more than once. It's Like, it probably doesn't even happen, like, every four or five seasons. Obviously, it's not going to happen in the professional leagues, but like you're looking at like even junior junior college games. There's no way you see that happen more than once a season. If that, it's got to be insanely rare. And that's what I was, me and my roommate were talking about yesterday. Just insanely rare score. And our Badgers came out on the top end of that. But moving from a Very happy day yesterday for our Badgers soccer teams to a tough and I'm not sure what the right word is, but it's heartbroken would be the best way to put it for our football team. After last Saturday's game against the number two team in the country and reigning national champions, Iowa Western Reaver. Heartbroken. Everybody in the stadium, all of the players and coaches, heartbroken. Final score, 20-13. to Lower scoring, like I had kind of assumed it would be with how good the Iowa Western defense is and how good our Badgers defense is. If you listened to last Friday's show, I gave you my three keys to the game. I'll go over them here real quick and tell you whether or not I feel like our Badgers did those and were productive with them. But with that loss, our Badgers fell from fifth in the nation to eighth. Still in top ten, which is a good spot, but having those two losses drops them out of the playoff race. I talked about it Briefly, not as much as I wanted to, on last week's show. You can go back and listen to that on Amazon, Apple, and Spotify if you wish. It should be there. I talked about the playoff race and the potential effects that a win would have had for our Badgers. They could have moved up to three or even two. I doubt they would have moved up to two what they would have moved up to, four, or three, no doubt. But because our Badgers already took one loss to Trinity Valley, start of the year, they're out of that conference, or, well, national playoff race. Sad to see. It is reality, uh, but not a great one. Going over my keys from last week, Our Badgers needed to play clean. In a couple of games this year, football team has struggled to, especially early on in the season, which I guess is to be expected when you start a new season, especially with as many new players as our team has. Play clean. You know, don't beat yourself. You can't beat yourself if you're trying to beat the number two team in the nation. And honestly... This was the least penalized game our Badgers had all year. So they did that pretty well. But even though they only had seven penalties for 91 yards, that's still just as many yards as they had the previous week against Georgia Military when they had eight penalties for 90 yards. So it's one more yard and one less penalty. So, yeah. But those are the two least penalized games that our Badgers have had this year, except for maybe the St. George game. Sure, how many penalties there were in that game. So I'd say they did pretty decent on that play. There was one pass interference call by our defense that gave uh, that extended a Iowa Western drive, and I believe they scored off of it. Whether well, it was one of their field goals or touchdown, I don't quite remember. But moving on to my number two key was they needed to pressure and sack and get in the head of Iowa Western quarterback Hunter Watson. I'm not I'm not going to say our Badgers failed. I don't think the defense failed at that, but I don't think they needed to do it as much as they needed to to win the game, obviously. It was a very like physical I mean the Reavers' offensive line is Very good. And so it was difficult for our Badgers to get through that game. We only had three sacks for a loss of 11 yards, so not crazy. Three sacks isn't bad for a game, but I think the way I had written down this key was that they needed to get more than that. I didn't say elastic, but I think that I thought that they're. The number that they should have been shooting for in terms of sacks was five, at the very least, to kind of kill drives, especially on third down. But when you're playing against a quarterback like Watson for the Reavers, who can run the ball very well, he's their second leading rusher on the team over three of their their over their second and third string running backs. It's tough to do that because all they do is they look downfield, they go through their reads, and if nothing's there and the pocket collapses, they take off. Like, I don't know how many of you watch the NFL, watch Lamar Jackson play, but it's kind of the same. Pocket collapses, boom, he's gone. And with that speed, he gets out, and it's the same with Watson. I'm not going to say he torched our defense. Because I did say last week that Badgers' defense needed to hold the Reavers to under 300 yards, which happened. It did happen. Our Badgers held them to under two hundred and fifty yards, but having holding them to two hundred and fifty yards and still losing games tough, especially when you have when our lady when excuse me, when our Badgers' offense has two hundred and ninety-one yards total, basically three almost three hundred yards for our Badgers to two hundred and twenty-one total yards for the Reavers is, it's. It's tough with that. I'll get into those statistics a little bit more in a second. And then my third and final key was come out strong in the third quarter and in that second half and really give it to the Reavers and show them that they're not going to be able to punch us in the mouth in our home stadium here in the mountains. <sighs> it's tough to say that that didn't happen at all. Last Saturday against the Reavers, Mark the third straight game where our Badgers were held to a zero in the third quarter and scoring. No points in the third quarter for our Badgers against the Reavers or against the Bulldogs of Georgia Military and against the Conquistadors of Dodge City. It's a little bit different when you're on the road. I know how much more difficult that can be but you're playing at home. Against an electric, or not against, with an electric crowd behind you. And they came out, I'm not going to say they came out sluggish or disinterested, but they didn't come out as strong as they needed to to win that game. And it showed halfway through that third quarter. And that carried over to the fourth quarter to where our batters didn't score at all either. This is the first time all year that our batters hadn't scored. In the fourth quarter. The difference in third and fourth quarter scoring for our Badgers. I went over this last week. Was 54 points scored in the fourth quarter for our Badgers on the year. To 21 or 20 I believe is what it was in the third quarter. Which is crazy. And 14 of those I believe came against St. George Junior College. Tough there. I think that was the biggest key because I knew that if the Badger our our offense was struggling in that third quarter, I didn't think that the defense would be able to hold Iowa Western to a low enough score that our Badgers would be able to catch up and come back in the fourth quarter like they tend to do. And the defense did do what I didn't think they would do. They only held Iowa Western to 20 points and only gave them one score in that third quarter. Well, two scores because it was a touchdown and a field goal, but they held them to under two touchdowns in that third quarter to keep it close enough for our offense to come back. I mean, the final score was only a one-possession game with seven points, 20-13. to They didn't come out strong in the third quarter, and I think when you look at this game as a whole, you can point to that and be like, that's a big reason why loss. The only other thing that I will say might have been a bigger reason was rushing. Iowa Western came into this game the number one rushing defense in the country. So obviously our batters needed to run the ball effectively to have an efficient offense, which actually wasn't the case. Donovan Smith played great. He had a great game regardless of the loss. I mean, It didn't lead to a win, but he had a great game individually. Threw for 261 yards out of the total of 291 yards on 25 completions for two touchdowns with zero interceptions against a top 2-3 defense in the country. But he was sacked four times for a loss of 29 yards. And I do remember a couple of those sacks came in and big moments that really, really hurt our drive down the field. So great quarterback play from Donovan Smith to duel Hunter Watson. He actually out him in the passing game by a very good margin. I mean, Hunter Watson only had... 115 yards passing, he also had two touchdowns, but he did throw an interception that our batters unfortunately weren't able to capitalize on. And one of the biggest things in football at any level is being able to force turnovers and capitalize on those turnovers by scoring, whether it's a pick six, fumble, scoop, and score, or just having your offense drive down the field and score after the turnover. The difference was Donovan Smith had 25 completions, Hunter Watson had nine. Nine completions on 19 attempts for 115 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Sacked three times. Tough going there. Because that's not a great day for a quarterback. I mean, that completion percentage is great on nine completions and 19 attempts. But the biggest part that I think I didn't put it in my keys to the game, and I probably should have, knowing going into my show last week that Iowa Western's defense was a top-rushing defense in the country. They only allow 50 yards per game going into last Saturday. And for those of you who don't follow football a whole lot, that is very good numbers. I mean, that's like top-of-the-line numbers you're going to find in at any level most nfl teams and i mean i know like nfl offensive players are much more skilled than even like college like division 1 or division 2 college teams they don't hold teams to 50 yards rushing per game that's historical it's got to be those numbers are not common that's that's, that's my point they're not common. And I didn't think that those numbers would transfer over to our Badgers rush game because it's a strong point of our offense. I mean, Spencer Lambert, Lambert excuse me, was the only, was it, I'm not going to say the only, but a big reason why we won the game in Georgia against Georgia military, with his three touchdowns and his go-ahead touchdown in overtime. And he had like 148 yards or something like that, I believe. So a good run game for our Badgers, I thought, was going to be able to get through the rush defense of the Reavers. That did not come true whatsoever, which is very sad to see, because when our Badger offense is humming, man, it's humming. But it can't be humming. When we're held to 30 total yards rushing, you might have already done the math when I said Donovan Smith threw for 261 yards out of 291 total. But that's 30 yards rushing. That is insanely low. Definitely the lowest on the year. But that just tells you how good of a defensive line and how good of a tackling team the Reavers are. And it tells you why they're the number one team in the country and reigning national champions. Their coach obviously has a lot of experience. has been there for 11 years, so it's nuts super crazy for a coach of that status to be able to come on the road and stick it to another top five team even though that's difficult no matter how long you've been in the game very tough to see that All, all i mean all the touchdowns in this game were passing touchdowns it should have been a 14 to 20 game if A PAT in that second quarter wasn't blocked by the Reavers after a Donovan Smith touchdown pass. But regardless, it's very tough to see that. Still going on those rushing yards, Spencer Lambert, who I said had those three touchdowns two weeks ago, only had 47 total yard against the Reavers. Now he lost, wait a minute, I can't believe I didn't think about that. How can the team have 30 total yards and the statistics for Spencer Lambert's personal yards? And that's his net, because like they'll give him how many yards he gains when they record the stats, and then they'll say, okay, he lost this many yards, so his total net yards was whatever those are combined. I can't believe I didn't see that beforehand. That's a lesson to be learned. But he was the only running back playing in this game, so I guess that's 30 yards for him. The receivers played pretty well for the most part. There was a couple of balls that they could have caught. I'll get to that, more of that, in a minute. But Jared Wilson and Tyree Carter caught the two touchdown passes from Donovan Smith. Jared Wilson had seven receptions for 92 yards, and Tyreek Carter had three receptions for 54 yards. Both of them had a long 29. Both of their touchdown passes were passers that were thrown from outside of the red zone. Snow College's red zone scoring was not good this game. I believe they went... Let's see here. 0-2 in the red zone. Iowa Western went two for two in the red zone. So, well, their touchdowns came in the red zone. Our Badgers had two chances to score touchdowns inside the red zone after already having two touchdowns outside of the red zone and couldn't capitalize. Part of that's because the field, it just shortens. That's why scoring in the red zone is so much more difficult because there's less field to play on. So, naturally, running the ball is a big part of playing on that shorter field. And when you're held to 30 yards rushing total in a game... That's just, it's tough. And that's why our batters haven't been able or weren't able to score in the red zone because most of our red zone scores this year have been rushing touchdowns by Tillman, Lambert, and Boren. Very tough to see that. and It's it's even tougher because, I mean, I'm a very big football fan. And when you see a box score where one team, without looking at the final score, where one team wins every team statistic minus like two or three of them, well, probably, I think it was two of them, you'd think they won the game. That wasn't the case last Saturday. A couple of those school categories I'm talking about are first downs, Badgers at 21, continuing their solid performance in getting first downs. I mean, they're a top-team the nation. I believe they're third in the nation right now in total first downs. And Iowa Western only had 11. The difference there was passing touchdowns, or, excuse me, passing first down. Our Donovan Smith had 15 passing first downs. And then the Badgers' running game at 3 first downs, which is the same number as the Reavers were rushing first downs. Also the same at three first downs. was a penalty first down. First downs that were acquired to either team by way of penalty yard Both of those ended up with three first downs. The other one was total plays. When you run more plays, sometimes it Now, obviously, you have to score on those plays, but when you run more plays, have more total yards of offense, generally leads to help you winning a game. Our Badgers ran 81 plays to 52 plays for the Reavers. It's... And then another one that our Badgers did lose. I believe one of... The only ones that they lost was yard per play, and then the other one was penalty yards. So the Reavers had six penalties, so one less than our Badgers, but it was only for 44 yards. That happens due to different types of penalties. And the Reavers' average yards per play was 4.3. Our badness was 36. Neither of those are bad, but 3.6 is not great and not good enough to beat the number 2 team and the rainy national champ. You hear that, and I hope I'm getting my point across, because you win most of those team statistical categories, it helps lead to with, And it's tough to see those, and then look at the final score that's this to 13 and be like, gosh, what happened? And I'm going to tell you how the end of that game played out. Late in the 4th, believe it was about three minutes left. Our Badgers got a very needed three and out stop on defense. Donovan Smith in the offense get the ball. I believe it was inside the 30, our own 30. March all the way down the field. I think they got into the red zone. It was second down and four after a rush from Lambert to get us, or actually it was a pass over the middle to get us right there at the 12 or 13, I believe. I was on the opposite side of the field on the stands, so it's kind of hard to tell. But I believe they were on the 12 or 13. and, And second and four. So they could get a first down before going into the end zone. The next three plays on second down, third down, and fourth down, Donovan Smith threw three passes to the same corner of the end zone to two different wide receivers. I believe it was two different wide receivers. It might have been three. But I believe it was Wilson and uh, Tyreek. Carter. That's his name. Jared Wilson and Tyreek Carter. One of them was just over his hands, in the first one on second down, like just over his fingertips, almost there. You're like, okay, it's third down. We can still get the first down. Like as a fan, this is what we are processing in the stand. And me as somebody who watches a lot of football, this is what I'm thinking. And part of hosting this show, I'm analyzing it a little bit in my head. Okay, it's still third down. We got two more plays where we can get that first down. Maybe run the ball, but it's not been really working, so maybe throw something to the other sideline, maybe not for in the end zone, but just for that first down or try to get something over the middle because half of the game, the more successful passes we had were over the middle, especially in that last drive. So the Reavers might have been wanting to see it pass over the middle and they were sitting on it, but they were also sitting on the corners because a lot of teams like to throw those fades into the corner of the end zone Those 50-50 balls where you have to rely on the receiver to make the catch. That's not what happened. We didn't go for the first down. Going from 12 yards out, Donovan Smith threw two more consecutive passes to the corner of the end zone. One of them, I believe, would have been caught for the touchdown. I can't remember who the receiver was. And even if I did, I probably wouldn't call him out on live radio. Just wasn't looking for the ball at all. It went completely over his head. He wasn't even looking. By the time he looked and saw the ball, it was already on the ground in front of him. You can't have that kind of awareness in a the biggest game of the season. Like, that's just not acceptable. And then the third play, and or fourth and final play, Donovan Smith throws the same ball And it's right in the hands of the wide receiver. I can't remember who it was. I wish I did. It was in his hands. He caught it. And the crowd's going nuts. I mean, everybody's jumping up and down. And I'm standing there in the middle of the student section. And I'm looking and I'm going, what's the referee calling? Because when you watch games you never just see it go into somebody's hands and assume it's a catch you have to wait for the receipt the referee's signal so I'm standing there I'm thinking he did catch it and I'm hoping he caught it because from our point of view over in the student section the ball was thrown right in his hands he did a nice jump you know the 50-50 ball he grabbed it it was in his hands and a couple seconds later the ref's over there waving his arms Cross his chest horizontally, just calling a no-catch and complete game over. It wasn't game over because I wasn't at the final buzzer, but there was, I believe, like 10, 12 seconds left. So at that point, it was just Iowa West going to take an E. That is a tough way to lose a game. That is a tough way to lose the game, especially when, like I did mention, that it was... Uh, 20 to 13 was the final score, and no score. Just the Badger, Our Badgers didn't score in the second half. So it was seven points in the first quarter, seven points in the second quarter for our Badgers. And then that touchdown in the second quarter was the one that the field goal blocked. So you're up at half 13 to 10, and then lose the game 20 to 13. But can't focus on the past. So let's just move forward. Went to the future, which would be tomorrow. The next game. It is homecoming week, so there is a homecoming game tomorrow. But I have been given some information by a player on the team, happens the football team to be specific, is that is one of my roommates. He had brought to my attention that Air Force Preparatory Academy pulled out of the game tomorrow due to too many players being injured. So, Air Force Preparatory Academy is not coming to E from tomorrow for the originally scheduled homecoming game instead good job to our athletics department being able to bring in st george junior college that is the information i have been given i believe the game will start at seven that st george junior college will be here for a homecoming game tomorrow so there still will be that game and which is very good because losing your game on homecoming week or like not being able to play one on homecoming week I mean, that like, just defeats the whole purpose homecoming week, right? Good thing. Good credit to our athletics department and sports information director, Drayson Ball, and athletic director, Rob Nelson, to getting that done. St. George Junior College will be here tomorrow to play our Badgers. And then they have also a scrimmage on Monday against the Ogden Jets. Both of those games together kind of to make up for not being able to play Air Force Preparatory Academy. But that will do it for today's show. Thank you for listening to the Badger Kingdom podcast. I'll see you next week.